Bitch, my podcast. Another episode, another installment, and we back. And we back. Hey, another episode, another episode. We back. Switch it up, bring a little excitement to the show. Um, how you doing today, my bro? I'm good. I didn't know we had uh, soundtracks to the pl- the the podcast now. <laughs> switch it up, switch it up. Yo, that was actually in my head for like the last month, but I didn't know what song that went with. Like I've literally been having in my head, we back, hey, but I didn't know where it was from. So I'm Googling it. I thought it was a Big Sean song. Google like, nah, bro. Thought it was J. Cole. He mentioned it in a song, but it's not the we back I was talking about. And then I was, oh, it's Chance the Rapper throwback. But we are back for another episode, Jam Pack Show. Um, I'm your host, Antonio, still not worried, underscore zero. My boy, Miles, underscore AD24 with us today. As we have said plenty of times, just let you know, if you decide to follow my boy, he don't really post like that. So <laughs> follow at your own risk. Um, we're going to start off recapping some of these playoff games. Heat Bucks, Heat are up 2-0 in the series. 116-114, they pull it out. Um it was a crazy way to end that game. Milwaukee really should have pulled that one out. Thoughts on takeaways from that game? Uh, yeah, the ending was real weird. Like how they foul Middleton on the three. They give him that foul, makes the free throws. And then just the last sequence with Jimmy Butler taking a fadeaway two with two guys there. I don't know. Not many guys are going to hit that, even if you don't put a hand up. But Giannis, I don't know what he was doing. He just put his hand on his hip. That's enough to just draw that foul call. And then he took the free throws with no time on the clock. So it was basically over. All he had to do was hit one, and he hit the first one. So that was that. Was that. But I don't know. I don't know what the, the Bucks are going to do. Because, like I was saying, like, months ago that the Heat – they're one of the few teams that actually have stuff to match with Giannis. Like, they got a guy to match with Giannis. Plus, they have a deeper roster than Milwaukee does. Because after, after Giannis and Middleton, it's like you can't get consistent production out of any of those guys, really. But for the Heat, you got Jimmy. You got Dragic, who's playing well the playoffs. You got Bam. You got Tyler Hero, who's hit some big shots. Who else? Um, Duncan Robinson. Always Duncan played. Robinson, yeah. And then you got that Iggy. Or Stu off the bench. Who yeah. And then Iggy has a, a veteran presence on the team, even though he's not, like, doing what he did in Golden State, but he doesn't even have to because he's just a luxury at this point. Was, you could play him in those tough moments where you know he's going to play defense. He's always hit the big shot or wanted to take the big shot. So I think the Heat, they're set up pretty nicely to make a run right now. Yeah, I just think it's a bad matchup for them. Uh, we're going to talk further more about the Bucks and get into detail with that with some of uh, Richard Jefferson's uh, comments on the supporting cast. Um, Thunder Rockets, the Rockets pull it out in the game seven, another crazy ending to a game. Uh, I was really hoping OKC could pull it out. Takeaways from 
this Houston game? Uh, for that one, I mean, as as I thought, Chris Paul showed up for Game Seven, and and he played well. Uh, Harden didn't. Westbrook was eh again, but those other guys on OKC, like Shea, was brutal down the stretch. Like he he hit one clutch shot, and I'm thinking like, all right, that that could that could help him right now, but. He was just lost. It looked like out there in the in the last quarter. So, and then that defensive stop was that was a, a crazy play because I mean you don't really associate defense with Harden, but that was a, a key stop that was much needed and pretty much left no time on the clock. So, I mean he basically blocked him for the game, and as well as Dort played, it kind of gets overshadowed because of that play that didn't go their way. And I was just confused because they had all that time on the clock to make a play. And I'm expecting CP3 to go at Covington there, but then he, he has to pass it. Then he gives it to Shea who throws it across the court. It was just like, I don't know if you draw that play up. Cause if I'm drawing a play up, I'm drawing a play up for Chris Paul. You could either get him in the pick and roll with the big man and try to lob it up to to do that or just let Chris Paul work like he's been doing these last few games. But I don't know. Billy Donovan dropped it, dropped the ball with whatever play he drew up. Maybe – I mean, I wouldn't even say, like, Houston's that good of a defensive team. So it's not like they did anything to really affect whatever play you drew up. It was just not a good play call. Yeah, for me – Gallinari did not show up, which would have been a huge addition. He only had four points, which was huge. Um, only thing I would say from that, you feel me, Harden, maybe this is the next step into his process of, you know, taking it to the next level of being able to – still, he had a terrible game seven. And we was talking about the game was going on, like, oh, this is going to be at the conversation again, like, it's hard and just not clutch, but to be able to still make the impact of I made a defensive play, you feel me? So I think that was huge for him because he didn't play well, but he still made an impact at least on that regard. Um, and I'm confused with that final play. That was the Bobby over to Steven Adams game. They, they were saying it like the for like the last ten minutes because it took they took like three timeouts. First, they gave him a, a foul call before the timeout, and then the guy. Why didn't CP3 take that? Why? That's what I was thinking. I'm thinking like, why are you letting him? Gallo wasn't even the guy who got fouled one, and Paul, Chris Paul is a better free throw shooter. So Gallo been off the whole game. Yeah. So and then he rims in and out, of course. So that was that just set things up for disaster. I don't know. In those situations, I. I I would want the team to not wait so long to like shoot if you're losing cuz if you miss then that's even less time on the clock to do anything or even if you have to foul it's less time to do that so like now you have half half a second on the clock if Chris Paul just you know he goes and tries to stu- try tie the game up maybe try to send it to overtime don't even try to do too much but uh, this is one of those things where I feel like they were overthink, overthinking it. And this goes just back 
this series shouldn't even been that close. I get it that Westbrook wasn't playing, but this series, game seven against the scrappy OKC team, that that doesn't really give any confidence in Houston whatsoever. And I just don't like the pairing of Westbrook and Harden because I I honestly think there was nothing wrong with the CP3 Harden because at least CP3 is a point guard who makes smart decisions out there on the court. Westbrook, you know, game six, he basically threw the threw the game away himself. And then it comes down to it. It's just not – there. it's two ball-dominant guys on the same team trying to make it work when Harden's the guy dribbling and Westbrook's not really one of the best shooters. So what, what really are we doing? It's that system because D'Antoni, they don't play defense. They chuck threes and – if they're not hitting threes, then it looks bad. But if they're hitting threes, then it looks good. But that none of that's gonna happen against the Lakers. I don't I don't see it happening because they they're smaller than them. They're talking about oh how the, how are they gonna play against this small ball? But I don't really see PJ Tucker like threatening Anthony Davis too much because that's probably who who's gonna DM and. That's barbecue chicken. If Shaq has to say it again, barbecue chicken. That's what it is. Because there's that. I don't know who's D and LeBron. Maybe Covington, but we've seen that he can't really do that. It's gonna be tough. They're gonna need to shoot like fifty percent from three every game. Because I mean, that's the basis of their whole offense. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that matchup later on. I don't think it's a favorable matchup for the Rockets with how they're playing. Um, another game that was a, a close ending again, like we these last couple games, a couple days, you know, there's been some good playoff games in there. Raptors, Celtics, we're talking, hey, maybe the Raptors is done. Forget it. It should be 3-0 and OG and Anobi hits a cold blooded, cold blooded three pointer in the corner. Perfect pass by Kyle Lowry. When Taco Fall came in, I'm looking like, yo, I don't know if Kyle Lowry's gonna be able to get a, a pass in. Taco Fall, seven foot seven wings. You saw, saw how far away from him he was standing. He was like, he was standing like five, six feet away from the inbounder. And I'm like, the size helps if you're, like, directly in front of him. Then he can't really see. But Or jump, bro. Yeah. Or jumped. don't even play the inbounder. Why, why are you even overthinking it and putting Taco Fall there? Like, Why they go to the zone? Like, that too. But mainly the inbounder. Like, why are you defending the inbounder when that's one less person on the court for the team that has to score? So, I get it. Once, once he tries to get it in, he could get it right back. But it, you make it tough for him if you're double teaming their best player and then everybody's got their own assignment. Like on that last play, you see you see Ananobi cut baseline and Tatum's like, yo, he's cutting baseline. He's over here. But Jalen ba- Brown's over here fronting uh, the big, fronting Marcus Gasol and completely forgot about the guy in the corner. So that, I mean, Taco Fall not standing close enough and plus – just forgetting who's on the court, that pass just gets there, which <laughs> passing to the other side of the court, I don't think you would normally want to do that on the inbound, but it worked. He caught it. 
let it let it fly with a couple tenths of a second left and just drained it. I was, that was perfect. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry showed up yesterday, played huge for them. Um, him and Van Vliet, which they've been waiting on. They still weren't able to really get their three point shot going. They aren't shooting that well, which is he's been off. Yeah, which gives me concern of if you feel me, if they'll actually be able to, you know, turn this into a series and come back and win it. Uh, because Celtics were in position to win and Tatum didn't even play well. Mm-hmm. So with Tatum, I doubt is going to have 15 points, five for 18 shooting again. Um, I doubt that's going to happen again in the series. So I think it might be over for them still. I just think the Celtics has too many options, too much talent. And this is even without Gordon Hayward. So outside of – I can't see a Kyle Lowry having a 31-point game again. Maybe Van Vliet give you 25 again. But Siakam hasn't been able to really produce so far well in this series. So, I mean, the guards are the best part of the Raptors at this point. Like Van Vliet and Lowry, they, that's the part of the team that's going to have to carry them if they're going to make this a series. Because I, I don't get it. People always like to call, like, Cal Lowry trash, even though I'm like, he's not bad. He's one of the better point guards in the league. And he showed it last year in the playoffs. He's showing it now. So give him his props. But they need to score, like, 25 each to even be a threat for Boston. Because I don't think Tatum's going to have a bad game for He's going to come back with a vengeance. Jalen Brown, he sounded pissed off in that post-game interview, so I know he's going to be ready because I know nobody wants to say it on the team, but that last play is on him because that's your guy. You're supposed to – you're not d the big man. Tice is right there. It's like you want – you would rather him throw it to Marcus Gasol and him try to take a shot from right there because he's not necessarily Dirk Nowinski. He's He's – Okay, now, but he's not what he used to be. You take so, you take those chances on that one, especially OG already hit two threes in the game already. That's so that, you can't give up a three there. Like you, that's the one thing you can't do is like give up an open three, and they did that. It wasn't yeah. even like a set play. You feel like even like you said, if if Gasol scores, we go into overtime. Mm-hmm. You don't give up the, the game winning shot. Um, like you said, people be disrespecting Kyle Lowry. 31, two steals, eight assists, six rebounds. That's that line. He's a champion. He plays hard. I don't think, like you said, that's their main thing is their guards are going to have to – I'd even go. They both have to get 30 each with how Siakam is playing. Unless Siakam, you know, breaks out, they're going to have to get 30 each to make this a series. And I think – what Boston is doing, we're putting Tatum or Lowry, you know, the length or Jalen Brown on them. I think that's causing some struggles for Lowry and Van Vliet, the length of the Celtics and their versatility on defense with Marcus Smart being able to switch. Robert Williams has been huge for the Celtics off the bench. So I just think it's too much for them. Uh, one game that was not close at all, Nuggets clips. We both think, this is how the series is going to go. It might honestly be a sweep. Takeaways from this Clippers-Nuggets game? Well, this just shows if Jamal's not scoring 50, they're in trouble because 
I mean, they're supposed to be this deep team, but they just can't get it together. And I mean, I never thought they had a shot against the Clippers, but this even shows that they have less than a chance than I thought because Paul George had a quiet night. He had 19. Kawhi, somewhat quiet with 29. But like Marcus Morris, if he's doing that for them, then they're like the most dangerous team in the league right now because him – we, I saw what he was doing in New York when he was a Nick. He's, he can be that guy if you need him, but on this team he doesn't have to. But at the same time, when the main guys for the Clippers aren't hitting, you have a safety valve in Marcus Morris, which is a pretty good safety valve to go to. Oh, to he's been some guys out because he bailed Paul George out a couple times in the first round. Low-key, Kawhi's been doing his thing, which is what we expected. Low-key, Morris is their MVP so far. Because without Paul George playing that well, Morris has stepped up. He's shooting 53% from the three-point line in the playoffs so far. That's huge when you have a Paul George not showing up, which is what we have all said, which makes them scared. Because if Paul George and Kawhi Leary is on, and then you have the role players stepping up, they're not really a team that you could mess with or beat. You have to play dag near perfect basketball to beat this Clippers team. If not even if they're, you know, shooting on all cylinders, if they're shooting on half of it, if they got Kawhi balling out and Paul George, and then you get bits and parts from the role players, they're still hard to beat. Yeah. If they're on all cylinders, Kawhi, Paul George, Marcus Morris, Lou Will, Montrez, that that can get that can get real spooky. Um, I think we'll talk about it. I think this is why the Lakers need to finish their series as soon as possible because I feel the Clippers are going to do the same thing. It looks like they're hitting their stride um, with how the the role players are playing. Paul George really don't even have to get back to playoff peak, honestly, with how the rest of the players are playing. Pat Bev came back. Shout out to Pat Bev. The energy, the defense, knowing his role, hitting the threes. I don't know, man. Clips might might be able to pull this one out and get that chip. It all depends on, for me, the, the stars for the Lakers have LeBron and AD going to have to, when they meet up, they're going to have to 30-35 each. I don't, I don't think that they're not going to do that. I just think that they're going to need other guys to do more. Like Kuzma can't just be doing what he's doing. It's just I don't even know what his stat line is in the playoffs right now, but it can't be good enough, especially if you're going to go against the Clippers, who they, they should have gone after Marcus Morris a lot harder than they did. Like I would have – if you have to give up Kuz for that – we're trying to win a championship right now. They they should have done that, but it's too late. Now they got to rock with who they got. I mean, they, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league just because they're like – their big man size is just unmatched by any team. And I don't know where they're going to get third option scoring from, but maybe they look at Deion Waiters. Maybe is. Maybe his legs are going to warm up eventually, but 
you got to play in the games to warm up. That's the thing to try to throw Deion Waiters out there in that series to get into the finals. I mean, you're a professional. You're supposed to be ready at all times, but that kind of be tough, bro. You ain't played them, I think, only one game this whole playoffs. That's what I'm saying. They gonna have to. They can't. They can't afford a game where they're not doing that. Like you said, the role players have to step up, but LeBron and AD have to be special every single night with how this Clippers team is is built. There is no way. Uh, one of the awards that came out, they finally announced the Rookie of the Year award went to John Morant. Um, he got. 99 out of 100 possible first-place votes. Somebody gave a first-place vote to Zion, who finished third in voting, and second was Kendrick Nunn. Takeaways from John Morant getting the rookie of the year, I believe he deserved it. Mm -hmm. I think the one person who didn't vote for him probably thought that more people might vote for Zion when he put his vote in, (laughs) because there's no way you could really – justify Zion winning rookie of the year playing like only realistically 19 regular season games, not including like the bubble stuff. So like that's not even 20% of the season right there. So you're going to give him, you wanted to give him rookie of the year off of that. I mean, it was, he showed he's pretty good, but Ja literally has been the leader for the Grizzlies since he stepped into a Grizzlies uniform. So I don't get why he couldn't be unanimous. It should have been, but that doesn't really matter. He still got it. Nobody really had any doubt that he was not going to get it. People wanted to be like, oh, if Zion leads him to the playoffs, then maybe. But come on, that's not (laughs) – that would be unfair to give it to him based off of, like, a few games. So – but, I mean, Kendrick Nunn finishing third, it's just that's, – that's cool. Even though I don't really consider him like a rookie in a sense because he's kind of been in the league setting for like, what, a couple years now. But now he's just first getting onto a team and showing what he could do. But, yeah, Ja, he deserved it. He's going to be nastier next year. Once he he already knows what to to do, and we saw what he did against Portland in that, in that one game. So we watch when he has another couple months under his belt. What's he gonna bring? And that was without Jaron Jackson Jr., which mm-hmm. is a huge. And he's not gonna be there for next year too. So there's gonna be even more on Jaws' plate. Transitioning on to speaking of. A lot of things being on your plate. Steve Nash was hired as the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Jacques Vaughn, who was the interim, will still be on staff. He's just been pushed over to be the assistant coach. Before you give your takeaways, just one, one, one thing I want to say. Shout out to Sean Marks and their team for moving in silence because nobody Nobody knew that Steve Nash was even a candidate, a thought. I don't know. I like the moving in silence. Chadwick Boseman team. Nobody knew he was going through 
the cancer and the chemotherapy. Shout out to Sean Marks for moving in silence. Everything does not have to be on social media for it to exist, for it to be real. But I digress. What are your thoughts on the Steve Nash hiring for the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, I just don't know because one, you're hiring a first-time head coach, never been an assistant anywhere, never coached. Maybe he coached his kids in peewee basketball, but this is not that. You're trying to coach a team that once it gets healthy, that's a team looking to win a championship, a team that's going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But you couldn't look at someone with, like, a little more experience. Like, I mean, Ty Lue, he was, he was still out there. He led Cleveland to a chip against a Golden State team that not many teams would be able to beat. So there's that. You got Sam Cassell. You got Mark Jackson, who he probably hasn't gotten any calls for any coaching jobs and since – Obama's inauguration, which was like 12 years ago. So I don't know what he did to piss all these people off, but it's not, it's not something that's going to get him a job anytime soon. But like with Steve Nash, it's just real questionable because it's like we don't even know how he's going to coach, who his assistants are. Like it's almost – this is mainly a hire to satisfy Durant and KD because – I know Steve Nash has worked a lot with KD on like mechanics and, you know, being more balanced with your shot, but it's a little different when you're coaching somebody just to, you know, skill wise when, and then you have to now coach 15 guys on top of that to come together and play well and try to compete for championships. But I mean, they got three years for this because, Durant basically had a redshirt year. Somewhat Kyrie had a redshirt year. So now they got three years to get this right, or what was this all for? Then this could be one of those things where Sean Marks, he, I mean, he's, he might not lose his job, but this could be a, a thing that makes him lose his job. You're hiring a first-time head coach when like buzz is building around this team with KD coming back and Kyrie coming back. And I mean, a more experienced coach, they were talking about going after pop, but I see all that was just smokescreen because they were really already zeroed in on the coach that they wanted, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Steve Nash over the next couple of years. He could be a good coach because he was a good point guard. And most of the time, point guards turn out to be pretty good head coaches. Like Chris Paul, if he decides to do it, he'll be a pretty good head coach. But I don't want to bring it up to this, but I don't know if Chris Paul will be able to have the luxury of just coming out of nowhere with no experience and being a head coach in the league. And I mean, Stephen, Stephen A mentioned it. I don't know. It's a tough subject, but, you know, there's a little white privilege there that, afford some of these guys a chance earlier than like their black counterpart. So there's that. Yeah. Just, just to throw, I wanted to bring that up too. just to throw it out there. Some of the names of the black coaches that are available right now, Ty Lue, Ami Yudoka, 
Sam Cassell, Jacques Vaughn, Adrian Griffin, Mark Jackson, as we still trying to figure out why he don't even get an interview. Steven Silas, Darvin Ham, Jamal Mosley, the uh, assistant coach for the Mavs. Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan, Wes Elso Jr., Alvin Gentry, Mike Brown, Roy Rogers. That's just a, a list of the, the pool right now. Sam Cassell. I don't know if you said that yet. Yeah, it's five black head coaches in the NBA right now. Um, fired like a couple. They fired two of them in the last like month, so that list got shorter. That's definitely a conversation to be had. Um, it's a big pool, so we'll see if they get these opportunities. Um, give a different take on that. Do you think being that Katie and Kyrie signed off on it, do you think they're culpable or having the responsibility of you feel me trying to get a black coach in there? Um, I don't know if they were necessarily thinking of it that way. I just think that, I mean, they saw somebody who's gonna who knows them and is also. I don't know if he's gonna be a player's coach, but it might favor. Kevin Durant and Kyrie a little more than anybody else on the team just because they are the superstars on the team. Usually you have a first-time head coach like this. He's going to defer to them most of the time. But I don't think it – I don't think they were thinking like race in, had anything to do with it. Just they know Steve. Everybody knows how great Steve was when he played and – I mean, we all figured that he would be a coach at some point, just not with, without skipping a few steps before before that came. Yeah, the thing with this, too, like you said, we'll give it time and see who's on his coaching staff. It was rumored that one of the people he tried to hire was Dirk Nowitzki. Um, so with that being the case, hiring somebody else who does not have any coaching experience, me personally, I just think – with the aspirations of them trying to win a championship and one of his first attempts of a hire was Dirk Nowitzki. I don't like the path he's going into. He's trying um, to get the match back. He might as well hire Michael Finley and Tyson Chandler to come back and coach with him too. Hey, Ty- let Tyson Chandler go because the Rock is not using him. He'll get more playing time coaching the Nets than he would on Houston. They not – they not <laughs> – they doing him. Why y'all signing? I, I just really want to know what was the purpose of signing, knowing y'all had no plans of playing anybody that was taller than six two. Like veteran leadership in the locker room, bro. Yes. Shout out to him getting it for getting the bag still. Yeah, that's some expensive leadership right there. Expensive leadership. One of the candidates we mentioned. Um, that is actually rumored to be getting a job as Ty Lue. He's rumored to be – they're finishing the details of him being the Philadelphia 76ers coach. I know you've mentioned him as being a possible candidate, somebody has a right fit. Uh, what do you think on this Ty Lue possibly being, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers coach? I like it. I like the hire. I, like, I, like you said, I've been saying it for a while now that I think he would be a good fit because this team – as I've said before, should be competing for championships and Eastern Conference championships and 
being right there with like the Bucks or the Celtics or some of the top teams in the league, but for some reason they haven't been able to get over the hump. Most of that you could put on the coach, which I mean, in any situation, you'll put it on the coach. But now if they do get Ty Lu, which it sounds like they are, then now you have a coach who actually has some experience winning. Like Brett Brown never won before last year. Like he has a, a losing record in his time in Philly. That's not – that doesn't really instill confidence for the fan base, the players, all that. So, like, now you bring in Ty Lu, who not not too long ago we saw him take over for a Cavs team and basically help them win against the Warriors. I mean, a 3-1 lead, he had some some to do with it. I mean, you do you do have Kyrie and LeBron in that scenario, but you can't disregard like the job that Ty Lue did, and that's why he he was getting paid top dollars to be Doc's top assistant on the Clippers, and that's why he wasn't going to be out of a coaching job that long. So it was just about waiting for the right opportunity, and this could be it. Like you have Ben Simmons there, you have Embiid there. He's not. Most of the times when a coach gets fired, they're going to a, a tough situation. But here it's kind of perfect because it's a team that's already built for success. They just need somebody to come in and kind of like shape, shape that success and kind of really hammer it in that like we're a good team. Like you guys have to believe it too. It doesn't help that Ben Simmons got hurt before the playoffs started. There's nothing you could do about that, but – Coming back next year, I think we'll see what they do. I don't know if you should keep running him running him at point, especially if he's not going to shoot jump shots and all that. So play him at the four. You still got Embiid for now. I mean, doesn't really sound like a guy who wants to be here long term, in my opinion. So maybe he could have coached yeah, it was probably the coaching, but with that too, like I don't want my my superstar to be so vocal on like other teams or be vocal on like I'm unhappy and stuff like that. That's why like that's gonna be a meme that that commercial where he's like, I'm really unhappy because I laugh every time I see that because it's like yeah, I know, I know you're unhappy. You don't want to be. <laughs> you want to you want to leave. This is you sending criminals <laughs> at the team through commercials. But, hey, you got the bag, so I don't blame you. But we'll see. Ty Lue, he has, he's got a lot of pieces in Philly if he goes there. you know, I don't know if it's set in stone yet, but like I said, they got to figure out the point guard situation because Shake, he's good. I like Shake, but maybe off the bench, though. I don't know if he's ready for that, like running the show as the point guard role, even though even if Ben Simmons is playing the four, he's still going to be kind of like doing the playmaking and all that stuff. Cause as we've seen, that's always going to be his role. Like he's the best facilitator on the team always. He just can't shoot. So, I mean, like, like many players, eventually maybe he'll get a jump shot, but for now what he is is still an all-star. So you got to just build with that and, and see where you can go with this team. Otherwise, you're going to have to blow it up. For this segment, we have a new segment that we are at into the show. 
um, flag on the play. flag on the plate, accept or decline, you know, in the NFL. If you accept it, you know, you progress, decline, you stayed right back where you was at. So we're going to run through some topics. I'm going to run them down for Miles. He can either accept, we talk about it for a little bit, or decline, and we move on to the next one. Flag on the play. Zach Randolph tweeting, I married a hoe. I'm declining it. I'm de- I can't. I don't want it. <laughs> Decline. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> All right. We're declining that one. Dr. Dre's soon-to-be ex-wife wants $2 million a month in spousal support, except for decline. I mean, it's it's a lot better of a deal than people thought was going to happen because they thought he didn't have a prenup. So she was going to get half of everything that he built with the Dre Beats and I mean, he was pushing billionaire status, so that would have that would have taken a real chunk out of that. But I mean, two mil—that's if it's for the whole year, then that's fine. If she wants like two mil a month, he wants two mil a month. You're gonna have to fight me for that because I don't know how much support you need. That's that's me giving you the lottery every every month. You don't. You don't have to work anymore. You just, just because you were married to Dr. Dre, now you get, you get a six-figure bag. That's not, that doesn't sound right. Accept or decline. Kirk Cousins saying regarding coronavirus, if I die, I die. I'll accept that one. Um, Not that I'm saying I like what he said. I'm just. Talking on it. Just talking on it. That really confused me because sometimes the media, they take bits and pieces of what someone says and like misconstrue it to like get clicks and make headlines. But for him to, you know, in the times that we're in, it comes off as a little insensitive because there are people who've died from it. And he's like, oh, I'm not worried about it. So, all right, well, lucky for you, you got millions, millions of dollars for your family to fall back on while some of these people out here aren't as fortunate. So like this disease could really destroy a family. So, I mean, I'm glad he backtracked and said that he's, he's still following the protocols. He's just not worried about it himself, which there are people out there like that. Like you see people out there without masks still that they're just, I guess, they're immune to it. We just need to get them in the lab one day and get their blood so we could <laughs> cure this thing all together. Sure. I want to yeah. walk outside without a mask too, but I don't know. That's not a luxury I have right now. But yeah, Kirk Cousins, they're not scary comments. It's just a little insensitive, especially in the times that we're in. You no, know, one of the things he said was, I'm going to let nature do its course. I think it's just a little unsensitive. Um, I don't think he really thought about it. That's why he had to backtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he just was talking. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess he'd rather focus on the season and not be concerned about that. And he does have a security blanket with that contract with Minnesota. I think they set whether he get it or not. Last one of the accept or decline flag on the play segment, we have your Jets rookie, Makai buys a four hundred thousand dollar. It was one seventy five. It wasn't four hundred. They wanted to make it sound like it was this real expensive. Which I mean, one seventy five is still expensive, but it's a big difference from four hundred. So. 175. Accept mm-hmm. or decline to talk about this. Mind you, Joe Burrow's also spending some bread on jewelry. The I'll Jets rookies spending money on jewelry, big bags. I'll accept it. I think, I mean, it's his signing bonus, which was probably eight figures right there. So, um, with that, I think it's they're just making a big deal out of nothing because, I mean, he's a rookie, never had this much money before. Once you get a little money, you're going to want to spend on some stuff that you couldn't buy the year before when you were in the dorm rooms heating up ramen noodles. Noodles! Yeah, heating up the ramen noodles. Now he's got the bag and he can pay for these things. So I don't blame him. He's young. He looks like he's going to be good. So that money he's going to make back and then some in the future because, you know, linemen that are good, they make a lot of money. So I, I think it's an overreaction. He's he's young. I mean, like Nipsey said, like jewelry depreci- depreciates the, the, more, the longer you have it. So that's the only thing. But it's something that means something to him. So I don't think you should knock it. It's, it's jewelry. It's a little big, so you not many places you could wear it. Because I'm not, I'm not wearing something that's shining like that to to anywhere. Because somebody might see it and they're like, "Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good come up right there." Let me let me yank his chain real quick and and dip. But hey, shout out I, to Brooke. I, I I like the the big ticket on his his chain. It's it's tough, but shout out to him. Um, for doing it. That's how he want to spend his bread. That's how he want to spend his bread. I forgot who said it, but um, one thing you try not to do is count another man's pockets. That's that's what he want to do with it. That's what he want to do with it. Do I think it's the wisest thing? Probably not. Like you said, jewelry depreciates over time. At the same time, if somebody decides to steal that, being that it's so publicized, where are you getting rid of it at? Everybody going to know. <laughs> You ain't this ain't yours. You ain't taking that to a pawn shop. The only way it gains value is if if he's like a star. If he turns into a star, then you could sell it and be like, oh, this is the first purchase that so and so had before he 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 really took off. Kai backed in with the purchase of the big ticket chain. Joe Burrow purchased the diamond studded number nine necklace himself. So they are spending that signing bonus, that bag on some jewelry as rookies um, transitioning to something that's uh, it's been getting a lot of people chiming in. 
Richard Jefferson's comments that Giannis is a Scottie Pippen who needs a Jordan. Yes, I said it there. I said it. I'm the one that said it. Jay Williams chimed in. LeBron chimed in to remind them, don't put me in this conversation. I am LeBron. I am not anybody but LeBron. I'm focusing on Houston. Thoughts on Richard Jefferson's comments of Giannis is a Scotty that needs his Jordan. I mean, I think ever, ever since he's been in the media now, he's like he likes to say off-the-wall stuff that, like, makes headlines sometimes and this made headlines too because it, it, I took it as he was taking a jab at Scotty like it kind of came off as a jab at Giannis and Scotty at the same time because he's like oh Giannis might be a Pippin saying that he needs somebody else to pick up the slack for him when I mean if you look at Scotty the Bulls aren't doing all that stuff without him they didn't start winning championships until he got there so for Richard Jefferson, who didn't win anything, he was he had a few good years with the Nets. For him to you know mouth off and talk about somebody who is actually in the Hall of Fame, not their own self-proclaimed Hall of Fame, he's he's a he's a little off off base with his comments because I mean, like Scotty had every right to fire back at him because he's like, who were you in the league? Because I know who I was. I'm I'm Hall of Fame. You you just light-skinned and bald. That's yeah. it. Um, I got a different take on it. I, After hearing his explanation at first, yeah, you're, you're bugging. But hearing his explanation behind it, basically what he was saying was because as of right now, Giannis can't shoot and struggles at the free throw line, you need somebody to close out the game. So he was saying basically Giannis is 45 minutes. That's your 45-minute man. And in the last three minutes, you need a, a Kobe. You need a Kyrie that's going to close it out. That I agree with. Right now, being that that is his struggles, to add, for example, I don't think obviously this can't happen because he's on a contract with Brooklyn, but to have like a Kyrie. LeBron that year carried them pretty much to the last two minutes of the game. Who took the big shot? Kyrie. I think that's what Giannis needs. I think also – Something that was pointed out was they should put him in the future at the power forward position since he's a power forward and get a good next-level elite point guard with him, kind of like the Stockton Malone or the Tony Parker and Tim Duncan because he's really a power forward. Yes, he's able to go coast-to-coast, but in situations like this matchup where you see in the heat and they're just putting up a front and a wall like, all right, we're daring you to shoot, and that's what he struggles with right now. Till that becomes, you feel me, like something that he excels in, I think you need to add somebody that's a closer, like a closer. Not saying that he's a, a, a Pippen or less than or that he needs to be a number two. I think he can still be your number one on your team, but you need a closer. And I don't see that, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see a closer on a squad between Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Kyle Korver, Brooke Lopez, who's that closer for them? Because you know in the last two, three minutes, you've seen a lot of these 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 games so far in the playoffs. A lot of them have win those game winners and the, 
the last couple of minutes, that Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, that was where a lot of those were his jump shots. You feel me? And that's not his strong suit. So do you see anybody on this squad that can be, that can alleviate that pressure off of him? I don't see it. I mean, I see someone who's out there who showed that he still can play the point guard position in Chris Paul, who he'll probably be available in the offseason. I would definitely look at him because I don't think Bledsoe is a championship-caliber point guard. He's good, but, I mean, he doesn't really do it for me in the playoffs. He's too inconsistent. And we've seen Chris Paul, whatever team he goes to, he just automatically lifts that team to being better than people thought. So, especially with Giannis coming up on free agency, they need to make some type of move to try to keep him because the rumors are swirling that he's going to go to Miami or Toronto. But, yeah, I don't know if he'll go to Golden State. Not many players are stooped that low. But um, I think this team is a lot better. They're like a championship-caliber team-ish right now if everything falls in line. But if they had Chris Paul, then I think that makes them the best team in the East. And that's even with Durant and Kyrie coming back next year. Because then you'll have that that championship point guard who he knows how to run the team. He knows what to do in crunch time, two-minute warning. Like, who was, who was OKC going to in those, those stretch runs in the playoffs against Houston? He, they were going to Chris Paul for the most part the six-foot point guard who, who's who been in the league for, like, 15 years, but he still, he still should be feared. He's still really – He knows how to get his spots, and he knows the spots to get others to. Mm-hmm. And I think that if Giannis had a point guard like that, that would just unlock a different level. While he's still working on getting a jump shot, which it'll come, like, I don't think that he's – not thinking about getting a jumper, but as for right now, I think they need a, a better point guard because I don't see their like starting point guard on this roster right now. Like they have yeah. George Hill, and, yeah. and that's, I think they're still one piece away from getting to that championship. Do you think they're able to come back this series? Like even if they come back this series and they get into the finals, I just still don't have faith in regards, it's, that's a lot on Giannis's plate. He has to score. He has to rebound. Got to play D. Defensive player of the year. That's a lot on your plate. You saw it even with Bron. Bron needed help. You know what I'm saying? Like, Bron needed a Kyrie, a Kevin Love. Bron needed a AD. Michael Jordan needed a Scottie Pippen, a Steve Kerr. He needed that. And looking at how this Miami team is built, I wouldn't blame him. Mm-hmm. If he go to Miami, he set up good. Tyler Harrow, Kelly Olynyk, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy Butler. Let Jimmy Butler take that weight off his shoulders where, all right, Giannis, you go do your thing 45 minutes of the game. If it's close, those last three minutes, give me the ball, and I'm going to close it out. Yeah, I, I just don't. If I was Miami, I wouldn't. I think they're building the team the right way. I wouldn't try to, like, go for the home run and add, like, too many cooks in the kitchen. Because Giannis, that, like, that diminishes 
pretty much everybody's role on that Heat team after that. So, like, I don't know how that would work. Like, they have a good, like, cohesive group that they play well off each other. Like, Tyler Hero, he's one of the better rookies, and he's getting a lot of minutes for a good playoff team. And what would it look like if they brought in another superstar on that team? He might not play as much. I mean, we already see Kendrick Nunn not playing that much off the bench, and that might affect it even more. So I would just keep going the way they are because some of these teams like to just chase the big name and think he's here now. That just means now we're going to win a championship. Like, it doesn't really work like that because, I mean, I don't think that Brooklyn's going to win a championship in these next three years, but they took a chance with these two big names and they're betting basically a lot of jobs that they, they could get it done in the next three years. And they could have just built slowly like the heat have. Cause after they went big with LeBron and D Wade, that was all well and good. Got a couple rings, but you got to keep looking ahead. Like teams, Teams got to build for success long, long term, like the Spurs have done. Like they don't, they never were the type to go for like a big name guy. They just build from within, try to develop guys and then go, go at it that way. Like Giannis, I would hope he stays in Milwaukee because I don't like these, these players just, they don't win and they hop to another team with a little better, better opportunity for them. But I mean, it's a different league now. A lot of players want to at least get that one ring before they they get too old, because then yeah, Giannis Giannis is still young. I think the ball is in, ball is in Milwaukee's court to make sure that they do what is needed to add some more consistent help for him. Um, but he's still young. Giannis got some time now. We were talking about Giannis was around you know thirteenth, fourteenth year in the league. He still don't have a chip. Leave. In that case, then I'd be like, leave. Because if he doesn't win one, we're talking about 10, 11, 12, 13 years in the league, and he's still in Milwaukee, you might have to then look at your organization like, this is just not cutting it here. Maybe I got to go elsewhere. But right now, he's still, got, he's still got Tom, and that's what a lot of people are excited about and scared about at the same time. If Giannis continues to develop at this rate and gets a jumper, he should be able to get a ring in Milwaukee. It's just in that East, he should be able to. Um, next series before we transition. Well, hold up. Do you do you think he should win MVP? We gotta discuss this on air since. No. <laughs> I'm giving it to LeBron. Um, being that number one seed in the West. But I'm Milwaukee gonna... had the best record, and if you look at it. There's not that much about this roster that gives me that much confidence for them to be able to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Because besides Giannis and Middleton and you sprinkle a few threes from Brooke Lopez in there, then that's basically their team. I can say the same with L.A. Outside of LeBron and A.D. with sprinkle with Caldwell Pope here and there, Kyle Kuzma here and there. It's not the same, though. It's not the same because you got A.D. who's another top borderline top five player in the league on top of Bron, who's still the best player in the league. Bron led the league in assists this year. I just, I think, I think 
LeBron could have won MVP a lot of times and just taken for granted his greatness. I'm looking at it as year 17, number one seed in the West, lead the league in assists. I'm giving it to Brian this year. Um, that's just me. I feel Giannis is great, but he's not in my he's not my MVP this year. I wouldn't give it to him. Um I mean, his season last year was historical, and he just got better this year. Although his jumper's been, like, inconsistent, I'm still going to take the inconsistent jumper if you're going to give me 30, 15, and 7. He has Shaq-like numbers. He definitely has Shaq-like numbers. Um, his progression from that rookie year coming in as a skinny, scrawny kid uh, from Greece to where he's at now, definitely, definitely – give him the credit for that. But I think as a, a whole, people take the GOAT, as my man Shannon Sharp says, the GOAT James for granted. The year that he's had, being at his year 17, what he's been able to do in a much more difficult conference of the West, I'd give it to Braun. Not saying Giannis ain't great. I'm not going to call him a Pippin or nothing like that, but I'm giving it to Bron this year for me. Um, Lake, speaking of Bron, Lakers-Rocket series, I think they need to sweep them. How do you think it's going to pan out, though? Uh, we'll see after tonight. I think it should be a sweep, but I hope they don't start off slow like they did against Portland and give up game one because, I mean, that that always just puts an extra battery in their back because now it's like, all right, now now we know what they got. They're, we've seen their punch, and they're not really touching us if we're playing our best. So they need to just play with that mentality from the jump. There's nobody who can really D LeBron or AD on Houston. I mean, you could say that about Harden and Westbrook, but – I mean, Harden's going to shoot threes. If he hits them, he hits them. If he doesn't, most of the time they lose. And Westbrook, he's still – I don't know if he's going to be on a minutes restriction still, but that kind of puts a little bit of a dent in in things just because you can't play him the full amount because you're too worried about, like, if he gets injured again, then it's really over. I think that's the X factor. Depending on how Russell Westbrook plays is the S factor, being that so far this season you've seen mostly guards get they get they they get they they game off they get they game off against the Lakers guards they they're able to excel. We saw what Dame did. We saw what CJ did. We've seen countless numbers of teams where the guards get their, their game off on them. And that's where if Westbrook can give you an efficient he 25, 10 and 7, he's averaging darn near a triple-double, I think they make it a competitive series. They don't win. I think the biggest uh, takeaway take that we need to be looking at once the series is done is what they do with this Rockets team. But we'll have to see, you know, how the series goes. Blow it up. If it's a if it's a sweep, if it's five, 
we'll have to talk about it. I think they, you feel me? I think they get rid of D'Antoni. They blow the team up, all depending on how this team, you know, how they do this series. So we'll have to see on that. I feel the Rockets are stubborn, though. So if it's a, oh, we got swept, but it was close games, they'll keep the squad together just because they've been stubborn on this small ball for what, four or five years now? So. That's my biggest takeaway. I feel the Lakers going to win. I think in their best interest, they need to sweep them to make sure that they're not playing extra games going into a Clippers team who looks like they're about to sweep Denver. Oh, yeah. But we'll see tonight. Um, transitioning, we have NFL is back Thursday. I did not, me personally, realize how fast time is going. NFL is back on Thursday? Wow. Some of the recent things that's happened, they've been, you know, getting their rosters down to 53 players. So there's some cuts. There's still some free agents available. Uh, they just cut an hour ago. Adrian Peterson from the Washington football team. Muhammad Sanu has been cut by the Pats. Prince Amakamura has been cut by the Raiders. Uh-huh. Dallas today. Uh, Dallas yesterday cut HaHa Clinton Dix. Jadavian Clowney still a free agent out there. Earl Thomas, Eric Reed. You see any of these players getting picked up. I know you was talking about Muhammad Sanu going to the Jets. You see any of these players get picked up before the season starts, or they're going to have to probably wait till some games are in? I mean, haha, he's too good to not be on a team. I think it was confusing, but it also makes sense because you're also seeing that a better safety's on the market in Earl Thomas. So that's who I think – the Cowboys are looking at. I mean, that that's the only way you could justify cutting somebody who's their best safety already on the roster. And clearly the Cowboys want to go Super Bowl or bust this year because they, they got the three receivers, they got the line, they got – they signed all these defensive linemen. So clearly Jerry's going for the ring. But it just always pans out not working because you just got too many things going on so we'll see but I think Clowney I mean this is this couldn't have been a worse free agency for him because I think he he was looking at it came out 20 million dollars a year which nobody was paying him that he got like three sacks last year that's that's like eight million for every sack last year and that's too much um but he's still a good player he he should be on a team i saw that he he really doesn't want to play in the, on the browns because they offered him all the money he wants for like three years and he still said no because i mean like most people say or joakim said like what's so great about cleveland like there's nothing to like in cleveland there's literally nothing there so but all these other free agents it's going to be tough because how late all these cuts happened in training camp but it's cut week so it's going to happen people are going to change teams now like the Muhammad Sanu one was confusing because I don't know who their receivers are besides Edelman now and they don't have Gronk anymore this is a completely different Patriots offense, and they let a guy go who's 
still pretty good. That's why I was saying, Jets, let's look at them. But I guess in a sense it doesn't make sense because we do have receivers that do the same thing that he does. So uh, it's not it's not Madden. We, we're not going to just sign guys for <laughs> – they play well on my team. It's just if it's a good fit or not. So we'll see. Like you just mentioned, um, with the Pats, they have some – they're not, you know, as known outside of Julian Edelman. Is the same situation that happens for Cam in New England where he doesn't have weapons and then he doesn't play well and they blame it on Cam. Um, so that's my my concern with the Pats. I thought they should have kept Sanu. Um, I think Adrian Peterson is going to get picked up by somebody. Um, he's you no know, trying to get to that fourth spot above Barry Sanders for the Russian record um, to be number three on that list. Hopefully, passing Barry Sanders. Um, Saints are supposedly talking about you know trying to get Clowney and pay him. But they don't want to pay Alvin Kamara, so that should be an interesting thing. Do you think Kamara gets traded? Does he stay in New Orleans? They have to keep him because, one, they're talking about they don't have any money, but that'll get freed up once Drew Brees decides to retire, which could be, he, was, he was thinking about it this offseason. So, clearly, it's, it's, not, it's, not that too, it's not that far off. So. Um, I think he'll get paid maybe even before the season. Who knows? Um, he's just going to have to lower that price a little bit because 12 mil, 12 mil a year is still good. Like he, it came out that he was looking at McCaffrey money, but – Hey, can you blame him? McCaffrey. Can you blame well, him? They're paying uh, Taysom Hill, like 10.5 a mil, who plays what, four or five plays a game? Yeah, I mean, his he's a – He's a special case because he really does everything for them. He plays offense. He'll be there on special teams. He, he's returned kicks before. Like, he's he deserves it in a way, but so does Kamara. Even though he's coming off a down year because he was hurt. But you got you to gotta keep your guys happy, especially, like, you don't have that much time left with Drew Brees. You should be trying to keep all these – big name guys around while he's still here. So you can actually try to get past the first round. Because these last couple years have been unlucky for them, but they're like right there. They have a good team. They always finish like 12 and four in the regular season, but something always happens for them in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens this year, but it's going to be interesting. Yep, well, we'll see what happens next week. We got NFL back. WNBA is ratcheting up, getting close to playoff time. Shout out to Diana Tarazi, who has been on a tear lately um, in the Mercury being able to clinch their playoff spot. But this is another episode, another installment. Make sure that you subscribe, like, comment, share. Make sure that you um, support us on Anchor. We're on Apple, Spotify, the whole bit. Get your bitch mob gear. Hit us up if you want a shirt. Uh, but if you are on the bench at any point in your life, just make sure you stay ready so when you get into the game, you're able to perform.
benchmark, we out, peace.